and grab out your Bible, something to take. So we believe in taking notes. You've gotten spoiled over the last few weeks. I'm telling you, we are going to take some notes, write down some things. God speaks to us as we study his word. I just encourage if you want to write down what I want you to write down, you can download the Victory Church app uh, on any platform and have a fill in the blank version of the notes there. But if you like more of a free flow, go ahead and just pull out something and take some notes on. If you say, I do not take notes, grab something out just to write some things down. All right. So it's going to be great as we study God's word together, because this summer, the idea behind it was to help us to grow everything we did uh, from midweek to the Sunday service, to the speakers, to the topics, to the series. Everything we did was this idea of growing on during this summer, growing in our Christian walk, because all of us are from where we are. All of us are on a journey to where God wants us to be. That's what we say here at Victory, that all of us are in a different part of that journey, but all of us are on it. And so I don't care how long you have been a Christian, there is still parts of you that need to be sanctified. Come on, somebody. Some of you have been a Christian 150 years, and there are a lot of parts of you that need to be sanctified. And so we're on this journey to grow. We always believe that we are following Christ, becoming more and more like him, but none of us are even close to being perfect. Come on. And if you are, this is not the church for you. You could go on down on. But we have this opportunity this summer to grow. But then I thought we would end up the series at this moment and talking about a certain topic. And I'll ask you the question in just a moment. But this idea that as we get to this final week, as we get to when the schedules are about to go to the max, as we're about to like just dive back into the pool and about to just get this this thing kicked off with school and work and schedules and sports and all the things that we kind of took a breath from during the summer. That we would ask ourselves before we get caught up in the weed, before we get into all of it, what really matters? That we would ask that of ourselves, that we would take kind of stock of this while we still have a chance. Because listen to me, I'm going to talk to you next week and you're going to be like bug-eyed, thousand yards tear. I, I understand it's coming, like it's about to get nuts. But we would take a moment and just ask ourselves what really matters in this life. Because I think, myself included... We end up giving our time and our effort and honestly the best of us to things that don't really in light of eternity matter all that much. And so I'm not here to point the finger. If I am, I'm pointing them all at myself. But I think we waste our time on things that don't matter. And we get into this cycle where now we're thinking, I don't know what I did over the summer. I don't know how it got here so quick, but I'm just diving back in. And I think it's important. Consider this uh, a course correction opportunity. And this is kind of like the breath before the plunge. Consider this an opportunity just to take a little bit of stock. We're each one going to take a self-analysis. Nobody looking at the person on your left or the person on your right. Maybe we're giving too much of our time to things that don't really matter all that much. And so we're going to talk about that today. What really matters? i got three of them. So if you're taking notes, jot it down with me. First one is that God matters. And now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this is a church and you are a pastor. And so, of course, you would say that God, I would expect that to be number one. Because what you're thinking when I say that God matters in your mind, you're thinking that makes so much sense to me because I am thinking that pastor is going to guilt me into doing religious things. Like I'm up here saying, hey, before your schedule gets busy, make sure that you are at church every single like write that in already, everybody. And make sure before you give to all those other things, you are given to the mission. And make sure before you do all of that, that you have, like, I'm going to come up here and just throw fire and just guilt you into. And that's normal for us to think. When we think about God matters, we think about religious things that we have to check off the box. But listen to me. I'm not up here today to sell you religion. Jesus didn't die so you could practice religion. He died so you could be forgiven of your sins and have a relationship with the Father. Father, raised him to life so we could have that relationship with him. 
And so listen to me, everybody. That's not what this sermon is about. It's not what it means to know God. Because knowing God matters. And I want to talk to you about that, not just for eternity. Yes, that is important. Not just for the things that we do. Yes, it is important that you come to church. It is important that you read your Bible. It is important you have those. Not just for those things, but knowing God matters in this life because of the purpose that he has given us. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Paul actually went on a journey to discover this, uh, this idea, this contrast between what he does and who he is and who God created him to be. Paul wrestled with this, probably in a way greater than any of us could understand, because Paul probably lived a life more blemish-free than any of us to begin with. And Paul put so much stock in the things that he did. He put so much stock in the laws that he kept, in the way that he presented himself, in the outward, in the way that he followed what the scriptures taught. He put so much stock in his outward appearance, and then he talks about this struggle in his life. And so we're going to read that today in Philippians Because Paul considered himself a better person probably than anybody else in his life. Considered himself a better, more pure person. And then in Philippians 3, he said, I once thought these things were value. I once thought all the rules that I followed. I once thought all the laws that I kept. I once thought all the the things that I did were so valuable. But now I consider them worthless. Now, Paul's not like, I once thought they were so valuable, but now they're of greater, you know, supporting worth. He's not like, I once thought they were so valuable, but now they just kind of fit into certain spots of my life. And I just think there's, he said, I thought they were so valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And I think we hear that and we're like, okay, Paul, you're saying worthless, but you don't really mean it. So he emphasizes, he goes to the next verse and it's almost like he knows what we're going to think. And he just like reemphasizes and he goes too far. Come on, somebody right to this next. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. At the end of the day, being in relationship with Jesus. At the end of the day, and so Paul goes on, for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Now, I want to pause right here and just let you know on a little secret about this part of your Bible. The word Paul uses is not actually, in the Greek, it's not actually translated as garbage in our modern day vernacular. Like this word that Paul, in fact, it's a very vulgar, direct word that Paul uses that probably would have shocked the people that he wrote the letter to. In fact, if I were to say that word from this pulpit, half of you would leave the church. Come on, somebody. And you would write me nasty letters about how could I possibly expose your children to such a word in church. They should never hear this word. And you, you already write me nasty letters, but probably some of you would have like a thousand things. If I say, if you heard this, you'd be like, Paul. How could how could, Paul is making a point here that I think sometimes we miss because we think, oh, garbage, garbage. You know, I throw away garbage. It's just some paper and some you know, recycling products. No, Paul is saying it's garbage compared. And this word is so strong that he used. I had the opportunity one time uh, when I was in college, a group had brought in uh, Jensen Franklin to speak. And so we were all over there and, and a bunch of us went. And we're listening to him speak. And they asked no cameras, no recording. And we think it's like a mission opportunity. Like he's going to have something that we can't record or you can't talk about or thing. And about halfway through his sermon, he said a word. And I'm not going to tell you what that word is. It's a bad word, all right, everybody? It's a potty word. Come on, somebody. I got three small children. It's a bad word that he said. And you could just hear like the gasps, like people clutching their pearls and like, so and just in, like, and right after he said it, he said, and some of you are more upset that I said that word than that millions of people are dying and going to hell. And I mean, now I'm not going to argue the theological ramifications. If that's a good or bad way to spread the gospel, come on somebody, we can talk about that later, but it just, it did stick with me. And Paul in this moment is like, I consider it 
You fill in the blank. In light of knowing Christ Jesus, if I could gain him and become one with him, if I could gain him because I want to be one. In his conclusion in verse 10, we've gotten the, the weight of this. In verse 10, he says, I just want to know Christ. That I become righteous and rather through obeying the law, rather become righteous through faith in Christ. And watch this last verse, making us right, experience the mighty power. I want to know him and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. And Paul is saying, I want this. I've done all of that. And some of us are like, I'm still doing all. I'm, that's how I make it. I've done and Paul is saying, I've done all of that, but this is what actually matters. And so when I come up here and I say God matters, I'm not saying I want to guilt you into doing all these things. I want to make sure that you check all these. By. I'm saying God matters because we have a chance to know him, to know Christ and to experience the power that raised him from the dead. And when that occurs in your life, all of that becomes garbage in light of knowing Christ. That Paul is saying, I want to know him and experience him as your pastor. I want this more than anything else in your life that you would say, I know God. Not that I know when I'm supposed to sit and when I'm supposed to stand. Not that I know when I'm supposed to raise my hand. Not that I know when I'm supposed to do this or that or say the right thing or do. I want you to know God. That you would say, I have this relationship with him. That I once was lost, but now I'm found. That I once was broken, but now I'm healed. That my relationships were a mess, but now God has restored them. I have been made whole and complete. Thank you all three of you that are excited with me about that. Amen. I want that for your life. And so this idea that God matters, Paul, prayer for all of us that we would encounter and experience God. Because I can argue you out of a theological position. I'm pretty good at it. There are others who are even better than I am that could argue into any position they wanted. Any theological idea or anything they wanted to, they could probably argue into. But you experience the living God. You see the change that happens in your own life and you will then live out your walk with him flowing from that. That we have this opportunity to know God. Because knowing God, Proverbs says it this way, knowing God is the beginning Of all kinds of wisdom. It says reverence and fear, basic. Knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. And so the world tries to tell you, it tries to say, why are we here? And what is the purpose of our lives? And what's the meaning of all of this and all that? Listen to me. You want to understand the meaning of life. You want to understand what actually matters in life. It begins with knowing God. It says the beginning of all kinds of understanding. Colossians 1 says for everything. Everything in heaven and on earth, everything created, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things created through him and for him. It says everything created for God. In other words, God created it all. And if you ever want to know what your purpose is, you have to know God. If you ever want to know what you were made for, you will never know until you ask your creator. Why was I created? Why am I on this earth? What is the reason for me? Always comes back to the creator. About four or five years ago, uh, I took up woodworking as a hobby. And I'm not really good, but I try really hard. You understand? Like, I'm just, I really, I really do try my best. And so it does, but I have most of all of my fingers. And so I must be doing something right. I think that's just what the bellwether should be. But my kids, I don't know about you. I've got three or four kids. I don't know how many kids I have. They're all running around somewhere. 
they like to come out and watch me when I'm working. And they like to saw things and hammer nails in every surface. It's fantastic. They love to do so. If I make it like a box or a shelf or a cabinet, whatever it is, they like to put their mark on it and come on out. So I've learned to keep them busy from like marking the one thing that should be in good shape. I have a pile of scrap wood that I let them kind of mess around. They can do anything they want to that because I make a lot of wrong cuts. And so I have a lot of scrap. Come on, somebody. And so they're, they're able to mess around there. So a couple of years ago, my son, Elijah, it's been about three years now. He's out there with me uh, in the shop and he's helping me and he's kind of messing with the scrap wood and kind of putting and he has this idea in his brain but he won't tell me what it is and so he's trying to put the pieces together he couldn't quite hold them and the drill so he has to at least let me in on where he wants the screws and so he's trying to like position and telling me where to put them and how to how to position this thing and how to fasten it so i'm driving the screws in it i brought it with me today because i still have it everybody and so this is what we end up with and i don't know about you but when your kids bring you things the common reaction as a parent, right, is, wow. I don't know what your face, that's mine. Mine is like, wow. And then you're like, what is it? Because you have no idea. And so Elijah, we're kind of putting these things together. And so he kind of like directs me. And finally, and I'm thinking like, okay, what are we? And then he's like, that's it. Like, he doesn't want me to touch it anymore. It's done. And I'm like, Elijah, it's amazing. What is it? Because if you look at this thing, it looks like a doorstop maybe, right? Or like a shine station. I don't know. I'm just seeing that now. But you look at this, you don't know what it is. But to Elijah, this thing holds a book. Listen to me. You are born. It's the problem with life, honestly. If we're just going to be honest with you, you are born. And you are told all of your life. The world tells you, you got to look like this and you have to do this and you have to fit into this mold and you have to read these books and you have to love these people and you have to go to this place and be at this club and look like this and post this on social media. Your life has to look this way and you will never have any purpose. You're just one of a billion, billion and you just have nothing. The world will tell you and you will never discover that God created you for a specific purpose. God has a reason for your life. A purpose for you. You will never discover what it is until you ask your creator what you were made for. Until you ask him, what is it that I was created for? Because too often we will live our entire lives and never do. It breaks my heart to see someone who is so gifted and talented and God has blessed them in so many areas go through life listlessly and without purpose. Because they never sought the creator to ask, why am I here? What am I for? Because God designed you. He's the only one who knows what you're supposed to do. Because listen, everybody else has a plan for your life. Everybody can tell you what to do. Your school, they want to own you. Come on, somebody. They want to, I have a plan for your life. I have things for you. I can tell you. But the only one who knows the specific purpose of why you were created is your creator. Everybody else has a plan. Only God knows why he made you. And so God matters in this life. What we do and what we're called to be. Everything, absolutely everything, scripture says. Created by him and for him. That we are created by God. And you will live a live meaningless life devoid of purpose until you seek your creator. So yes, knowing God impacts eternity, but also for this life. That we would know what our purpose is. Because it makes sense every part of life knowing why God created it. Because every single one of us are living our lives at one of three levels. You are either in like survival mode and some of you are like, amen, pastor, that's where I am. Like you're making ends meet and you're like barely trying to keep your head above water and like life is just coming at you at a million. And you're just like, if I could just make it till tomorrow, I'll figure things out. If I can just like make it to the end of the week, if you're in survival mode. 
trying to make this thing work. You just kind of get out of bed in the morning and hope I make it back to bed at night. And then there are those who live at what the world would call the level of success. And so maybe you got a good job. Maybe you're making some good money now. Maybe you've got your schedule under control, which maybe is like 1% of us. Maybe, you're having the, maybe you have everything put together. It looks like on the outside. You built the business. You did the thing. You got the degree. You got the title. You got the possessions. You have what it looks like to be successful. And you're sitting there with all of those things piled around you. And it feels a little bit empty. And you're thinking, what are all of these things for? Like, where do I go from here? Like, yeah, maybe I could do it again. Maybe I build another company, but then I'm in the same spot. Like, maybe I could do it. I could go back to school and get the other type. But, man, I'm in the same spot. It just feels empty. I don't know. I thought once I had it, it would make sense. And now I'm in the same place I was. Solomon wrote a lot about this in Ecclesiastes. Richest man to ever live. Wisest man to ever live. And he sat there with all of his riches and all of his wisdom. And he said, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. And yet we continue to heap up things. And once it's all said and done, we find that that level doesn't fulfill us either. But there's a third level that we are called to as Christ followers. That's what I would call significance. We are called to make a difference. I believe this. I will die on this hill that every single person has been called by God with a purpose to make a difference in the world around you. That you have been called to make a difference. And so we live with this level of significance. It's where I want you. It's this level that says, what was I made for? What was I created to do? I was born on purpose and for a purpose because I've connected with my creator. And I talk with him on a regular basis. And I read his word. And I know that he created me to do something. And when you do that thing, all those riches and all those, t- all those things fall by the wayside. Paul said, I count it worth because I know Christ. It's supposed to me, God matters, not just for eternity, but here in this life that he has created us to make a difference. The sense of significance that I was made for something. And when I do this, I feel alive. When I do what God has called me to do, I'm making a difference. And see, what ends up happening, though, if you don't know him at this level, if you find yourself in one of these, you're doing things. We're still filling up our days. We're still running Every single day feels like a million miles. We're still ending the day so exhausted and not knowing, but you're still. But then when you get to the end of it, all of those things are overwhelming instead of being falling away from our purpose. You understand when you aren't at this level, then life ends up feeling pretty meaningless. And what ends up happening is your problems overwhelm you. Because there's always probably at all of these levels. I'm not saying you get to like this one, make the jump to number three and there's no more problems. Come on, somebody. Anybody that tells you that is selling you something. If you understand, there are always problems in life. You will always have problems. I don't know what you came to church expecting to hear, everybody, but you will always have problems. Some of you have been like, Pastor, when are you coming back from vacation? Some of you are like, when when are you going back? Come on, when are you coming? (laughs) You will always have problems in your life. There is nothing, everything, and we will do everything, and we will at this church. We will counsel you, and we will pastor you, and help you, and support you. But just about the time we get one of your problems fixed, one more comes marching in the door. Come on, somebody. There will always be, probably always going to have crazy people in your life. You're always going to have financial distresses that come along. You're always going to have friends who walk out and you're always going to have kids who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's always going to be problems in your life, always issues and a problem to overcome or an obstacle or hurdle to get over. There's always going to be problems. You are either in a storm, coming out of a storm or going into a storm. You understand? That's just what life is. You're always going to have problems throughout your life. And some of you are like, 
be more positive on Sunday morning. I am absolutely positive you will always have problems in your life. And here's the problem. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to give you truth today. Here's the problem. So many of us living at these first two levels, we have those problems and they consume us. We have the problems and they eat up every single minute of our time. We have the problems and we can't fall asleep at night because they're hanging over our bed. And we can't turn off our brain just thinking about what tomorrow's going to hold. We have those things. But here's what you need. What you need, instead of your problem, you need your purpose. Because when you have your purpose, when you discover why did God create, what am I made for? Then all of your problems begin to pale in comparison to that. Because you'll still have them. But then you go into your life knowing this is why I was created. And when those problems try to come, they're trying to come against my purpose and they won't stand because God has something for me. That when I do this, I feel alive. And when you find your purpose, it's so much bigger than your problems. When you find why you were created, when I do this, I make a difference. And this is why I was born. And if I'm living for that purpose, then I don't care about my problems. I know they're going to be there, but I know that my God will supply all of my needs. I know that they're going to be there, but I know that the God who watches over me covers me under his. I know that my problems will be there, but I have a purpose in this life that we are called to make a difference. Some of the most happiest, most faith filled, incredible people here at Victory have lives that are incredibly messed up. And I'm looking because of my position, I understand what they have been walking through. And I'm looking at them thinking, how are you even out of bed? Like, come on, somebody. Like, how are you even smiling in the midst? How are you even walking in all that? How are you even surviving? It's because they have their purpose. And all the things that come against their life, they're walking through those because they know who their creator is and they know why they were made. It's their purpose that helps our problems diminish in light of who God is. That he has created us. It's not because they have less problems. We all have problems. Everybody is walking through a crisis. Everybody is walking, but if you have significance, the level God has called us to live at, then you'll live with this purpose. So yes, God matters. Yes, for eternity, but also for this life that we are called. And now when you reach this level of significance, you're going to find it's always connected to this second one. And that is people. People matter. And now this one is maybe a little bit harder for us to understand that people matter in this life. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the summer. Galatians 5, it says, serve one another in love. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Serve one another in love. And watch this, what Paul says. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do that, you can pretty much hold this whole thing together. Paul's like, if you want to complete all of these things, it takes a lot to love your neighbor as yourself. All the neighbors say amen. <laughs> Reality is, you got some relationships in your life. We're all in a journey from where we are to where God wants us to be. But if you don't have people in your life, you're never going to make it on that journey. Relationships in our life. We first, we say that God matters. But the second thing after he says, the first commandment, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I think the problem with culture today is we have never been more connected and isolated at the exact same time. Because there are thousands of people who stalk our lives online. And there are hundreds of people who like our pictures and there is nobody who knows our issues. And we have gotten ourselves so connected in a thousand different ways and so isolated in a million different more. And we are living our lives thinking this is the way it's supposed to be. And we have isolated ourselves from every meaningful relationship we would ever have. Because we want to fake our life and we want to put on the show and we want to look good on the peripheral and the fringes. And yet we are dying on the inside. 
We are really, really good at putting up the mask and it doesn't matter. You understand how worthless that is. If inside is death. And yet we have connected ourselves in all the ways that don't matter and isolated ourselves in all the ways that do. We have to learn that people matter. We filter everything about our lives. The Bible says that's a dangerous place. Ecclesiastes says a person standing alone, attacked and defeated, but two back to back and conquered. Three are even better. You understand relationships matter for this life. That you have to have somebody around you. You're never going to reach the place God has called you to be unless you are in godly relationships, encouraging and standing and enriching. And we're going to have to be a place. There has to be a spot where you can be honest with somebody. And listen to me, I understand that like the weekend service, this Sunday is a catalyst in your life. I understand the importance of worshiping together, of learning his word, of having these moments. But listen, this is why we do small groups here at Victory. This idea of relationships and growing with one another. That's not why we do the Sunday service. We do small groups so you can have a place that you can be honest with somebody. And you can grow in godly relationship. We don't do it because we need another program to run. Like we just need something else to be in charge of. Listen, we do not need that. We do it because it is vital in the life of a Christian who wants to find their purpose. That you would be in smile. You would have a moment that you could be honest. You could take the mask off and be honest with somebody. Because listen, Sunday mornings, as amazing as it is, as incredible as my sermons are, as incredible as all these moments we have. Come on, somebody, you're a little quiet today. As incredible as these moments are, when I get up here and say, hey, everybody, take 10 seconds and high five somebody around you. Tell them you're excited to be in church today. That's not the moment to be like, hey, brother, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Praise God. But my wife hates me. And we've been in a big fight. and My dog died. And I can't get my kids to come to church. Praise God. How are you? That would just be weird. That's not the moment for that. And for your sake, please don't be weird. Come on, somebody. just please. That's not the moment. But you get in a small group where you're able to look somebody in the face and say, this is what I'm walking through. And not be afraid that they're going to be like, well, praise God. I didn't know you were so messed up. I thought you were better than, praise the Lord. I thought my marriage was worse than your I'm going to go tell five people how screwed up you are. You got to have a place where you can do it and it's not going to go past them. And you can share honestly and it's not going past that room and that moment, but they are going to stand and pray with you. And they are going to call you and hold you accountable. And they are going to walk through with you through this thing until it has fallen off your life. And they are going to seek the face of the Lord with you. You got to have that place. You got to have that place where you can be honest, where you can be connected authentically. Well, you can take off any mask that you have put. Because some of us have six, seven, eight masks. And so we take off that first one and we're like, now nah, this is who I... And you got to be honest about who you really are. If we want to live out this purpose. Because we all have to have that conversation. That help us grow, that help us find what God created us to be. Because listen to me, life change happens in relationship. It's where it happens. Because listen, you probably couldn't name five sermons I've preached in the last 10 years, but you can tell me five people who have impacted your life. Life change happens in relationships. Because you and I need friendships. We have to have people who are breathing life into us. Because listen to me, we are then called to breathe life into others. It's what we're called to do. Every autobiography, every memoir, every near-death experience, every time when somebody is like taking inventory of your life, it it always comes down to people. Because people matter. The only part of this life that's going to slip past this life into eternity. 
Only part of this life that's eternal. And I believe we have an obligation and a responsibility to make a difference in the world around us. And I think even I, as a pastor, underestimate how much God loves people. How much he loves them. In fact, in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the last days, the final judgment. All of humanity standing before him. And he's separating those from the ones who followed him from those who don't. Do you understand? The Bible says those that come before him, he tells them the righteous. He says, for I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after. This is Jesus talking. Saying, this is what I will say. He's giving you the answers to the test. Millennia ahead of time. He's like, I will say that I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, this doesn't make sense. Like, I know you're saying that, but I don't understand why you're saying it. Like, when, when were you this? It doesn't make sense. When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When, God, when did we see you a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and clothing? When did you not have, when did we see you sick or in prison? Keith Green used to have an incredible song about this verse. Where they'd come and they'd be like, when, Lord, when were you in prison? Like, and what were you in for anyway, Lord? Like, I had a cousin down in Leavenworth who was coming like... They're like, when, Lord, when? I don't remember this. When? And watch how the master responds. The king replies, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it for me. I think it's incredible that the king personifies and identifies with the most marginalized and pushed out of culture. With the poor and with the sick and with the needy and with the imprisoned. That he identifies saying, those that are hurting most, Jesus, I see myself in them. That when you do it for one of these brothers or sisters, you are doing it unto me. And I think we lose sight of this. In light of all the other things we think that matter. Listen, God matters and people matter. And they matter because, number three, eternity matters. Reality is all of us will slip from this life. I don't care where you are in the journey of life. One day you will die. Welcome to victory. It's incredible. I'm going to encourage you. One day we all will die and one day we'll stand before our creator and be faced with reality. Did we make life about what really matters? Because Jesus warned the people he was speaking to in Luke chapter 12. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. All kinds of greed, not just greed that says I need to accumulate more money, but greed that says I need to spend my time the way I want to. Greed that says, I'm going to use my efforts for my own pursuits. Greed that says, I'm going to puff myself up and go after all the things of this life. Greed that says, I don't care about the things of God. Watch against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The things that you can get, the titles you can accumulate, the things you achieve in this. Listen to me, life is not about this life. As much as God doesn't mind us competing in sports and he doesn't mind us furthering our education, doesn't mind us having really doing things, living our lives, as much as that is, we have to remember that it's not about this life. We have to remember that it's not. Jesus speaks about a man in the next few verses. He talks about this guy who does everything by the world's standards to be incredibly successful. He builds the businesses. He makes the money. He does all of the things that should put him in the highest. It should be where we see as being the success of all successes. And he says in his mind, he's like, I need to build more barns to hold these things that I have made. I can't even hold it all in the stuff. I need to build more and more and heap up more. And he has no plan of making a difference in the world around him. No plan of living out. No care for the things of God. He just says, I made all of this stuff. I have all of this money, so I am secure. And now I need to build even more barns to hold it. 
And Jesus calls this person a fool. Earlier in the Gospels, Jesus talks about how serious that is. And yet he calls this, he says, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get all of these things you prepared for yourself? What's it all for? Listen, you and I have a little time left on this earth. And we read this story about this guy who made life about this life and about the stuff that he could get and the things that he could do. No idea about the things of God. And God comes and says, you fool. You lived your life and God didn't matter and people didn't matter and you forgot that eternity matters. And now your life is required of you. Who's going to use all the stuff that you've got? What's it worth in light of eternity? Go back to Paul. It's garbage. It's worthless. All of these things. And watch what he says. Jesus says, so it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So it will be. Listen, church, this life is not about this life. You have a purpose. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. You were called to make a difference because God matters and people matters. But we can never forget that eternity is coming. That we are called to make a difference. And no matter how much time we have left on this planet, it is not enough. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. We have a calling to build the kingdom, to spread the gospel, to love people, to show what the cross and the grave and Jesus resurrected really means. We have this opportunity. And so if we refocus our lives, I would ask us this question. What really matters? Because one day we will slip from this life to the next and our creator will stand in front of it and he'll ask us, what did you do? What did you do with the time that was given you? What did you do with the gospel? What did you do with the sacrifice of Jesus? What did you do with the opportunity? What did we do? And we have to give an account. Do we give all we could give? Do we do all we do? We rescue all the people that we could. Do we spread the gospel in all the ways that were presented for us? Do we use the gifts that He gave us, or did we hide them away, thinking, "How can I get my own personal gain?" When we stand before our Maker, because the Bible says, it "says now," this was our reading. It says, "Now is the day of God's salvation. Now is the day." We're not waiting. And thinking, if I could just live my life the way I want to, then one day I will be shored up and sturdy and secure enough to spread the gospel. To live out my purpose. If I can just do all these things first, if I can just take care and put out all of these fires, then one day, and we don't realize life is slipping away, giving all that we have to things that don't matter. What did we do with the purpose God gave us? And so if I can give you one thing at the end of the summer. If we're going to refocus our lives, if we're going to have this moment, and listen, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm pointing them at myself, everybody. If we could have one chance to refocus what actually matters, don't let the cares of this life choke out your purpose. Let's make every minute count. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. I just want to pray God would help us to live lives for what matters most. First, though, before we pray that prayer, there are those of you, uh, maybe you wandered in today or maybe you're watching online. I don't know where you are in your life, but there are those of you who are far from God. 
And you got there maybe a million different ways. Maybe something happened or maybe it was a leader or maybe it was an authority figure. Maybe something happened where you saw something and you had to run. And now you find yourself a million miles away from God. And so you're hearing all of this thing. And you think, that's great, Pastor. I love this idea about purpose. I love the idea I was created for something. But I have not felt close to God maybe my entire life. And I don't even know the way that I get back to him. I think I've taken so many turns that I'm so lost. I could never, if I listened to me, he is closer than you could possibly imagine. And I don't care what anybody else has ever told you. He loves you more than any idea you ever had. I don't care what anybody has said. He loves you more than you could possibly think of. And he wants you. God, the creator of your soul, the creator of all of this, God wants you. You are precious to him. And so in this moment, putting aside all of that, I don't know what you've come through and I don't know the things that you've experienced and I don't know what brought you to wherever it is that you are, but I do know this. I know that one step is enough to reconnect you with the Savior. And the Bible says, all who call on his name, That Jesus went to a cross and he died in your place. And that God raised him from the dead three days later. So anyone can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. I know that in this moment, no matter where you find yourself, no matter how far or how dark your life looks, one call on the name of Jesus is enough to save you. And right now you have that chance. And look, I'm not looking to embarrass you. That's not what I'm out to do. I'm not looking to sell you on religion. I'm not even asking you to join a church or to do anything. I'm saying right now you have an opportunity to call on the name of Jesus and be saved. It says we bow our heads. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. Right now you make a decision before your creator. To say I was wrong. I know I ran from you, but I ask for forgiveness. You have this moment. And so our church has dedicated ourselves. We will pray this prayer with anybody who wants to pray it. Anybody who wants to come home. Anybody who wants to be forgiven. Anybody who says right now, I want to make it right. Listen, we can do everything in this world. We can try to do all the right things. We can try to check all the boxes. We can be like Paul and heap up all those things. But you got to come to a place where you realize it is all garbage compared with knowing Christ Jesus. So right now, I want to pray with you. We're all going to pray this prayer with you. Nobody prays alone. But you have a chance to make it right. Look, I don't know what the rest of your life will hold. I don't know what happens when you walk out of these doors. I do know at this moment, you have an opportunity to be saved. Pray this with us. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. I repent. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again. And I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray over our church. God, I thank you that we do have opportunities to wake up to the lives that we are living, to see things, to reassess. I thank you that this can be a moment that we turn. If we are wasting our lives and our talents and our time on things that don't really matter, open our eyes to see it, God. 
Open our eyes to recognize it and let us make a difference from this day. Let us say we will live for our purpose and for the kingdom of God. From this day, let us say, we will live to spread the gospel. From this day, we will live for things that matter, that we will remember that God matters. And with that lens, we will see our lives and we will see people with the love God has for them and remember that they matter. And we will live every moment knowing that eternity is so close. So, Father, I ask you, give us the wisdom to see areas of life that need to change. Give us the strength and endurance to live it out. Give us the encouragement of people around us to live lives of relationships, spreading and building the kingdom. And Lord, let us always set our eyes on eternity. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's children said amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give God praise for what he's done today?